Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Today, like I said, it's Pentecost Sunday, so I'm going to talk on the subject of the person of Pentecost. The person of Pentecost. We didn't have any sermon notes this week because uh, I didn't find out this is what God wanted to talk about until uh, Wednesday. I was going to go back into salvation in Jesus, and that's what I was prepared for, going to be talking about, and because and, I'm leaving for a conference tomorrow, speaking at a conference tomorrow, so I was kind of preparing for that, and so I wasn't ready for a new topic. <laughs> I wasn't ready for a new deal. I had it already locked and loaded, what I was going to say, and so I was up here in prayer, and I encourage you. I would like to invite you to come and pray with us. If you're available, every morning we're available 7.30 to 9 here in North City location. And if you're working, that's fine. understand you can't make it. But we also pray two times a week that I would encourage you to try and come at least one time. Monday night, 6 to 7 is our normal time, but we have Eagle Prayer tomorrow. So it may be a little bit longer, but it starts at 6. So come tomorrow, Eagle Prayer. Saturday nights, 6 to 7. And we just, we're just wanting to pray. And we're, because we want God to move in our midst. We want him to move in our families. We want him to move in our church. So I would encourage you to pick one of those nights. If you live in the area that you can come and pray, Jesus said to his disciples, could you not pray with me one hour? So we've got a couple options for you. You can come pray in the morning. You can come pray on Monday night, Saturday night. Come pray with us, all right? We want to see God move. So anyway, I, I was praying on that Sunday mo- or Wednesday morning, and God said, the person of the Pentecost to me. And I'm like, what are you saying? Like, you want me to talk about that? That's not what I have prepared. And he said, that's okay. I don't really care what you have prepared. <laughs> In so many words. And uh, I'm like, okay. I said, well, what, what do you want me to do? And so every day since then, when I've asked him, my Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to do? He's just said, follow my lead. And so we did that in the first service. And uh, I didn't preach it. Well, I did preach a little bit, I guess wasn't like our scheduled format. We just had a lot of ministry, and uh, that's what we want to do. We just want to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and I think Pentecost Sunday is a great day to talk about that. You do have some sense of version notes. Um, I put some together a little bit for you. We love uh, our Bibles here at the Rhodes Church. We get a little excited when we open them up, so come on, let's get excited. Let's open our Bibles to Luke 24. Woo! Luke 24. Luke 24. Missed you guys. I haven't preached in a couple weeks. It's great to be back. While you're turning there, I just want to pray. Jesus, I love you. You're awesome. You're everything. So I just yield the floor to you, Holy Spirit. We bind fear. We bind anxiety. We bind distraction. We bind every tactic of the enemy. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, that you will come and that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there will be freedom. We come here for you, Jesus, and you alone. So we glorify you and praise you for the word. Bring it alive to us. Lord, that you will confirm this word with signs following. I love you, Lord. You're so good. Your presence is everything. Come, Jesus. Make it more than a sermon. 
make it an encounter with you for all of us. No, no bystanders, no onlookers, but Lord, I pray for every person to encounter you today, including myself. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for faithfulness in Jesus' name. Somebody give me an amen. Amen. Uh, so what is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? What, what does it mean to be Pentecostal? There's all kind of definition when you hear about it. You know, some people think Pentecostal is a denomination. It is a denomination, but that's not what it's limited to biblically. Many church people look at being uh, Pentecostal as a negative. I know in the church culture I grew up with, if they'd say, are you Pentecostal? They'd say, oh, no. <laughs> like, why would I ever want to be? Like, those, those people are strange. Those are the weird people. Those are the crazy people. So they actually thought to say I'm not Pentecostal was a compliment. And I want to challenge that thinking that we need to stop thinking about denominations and we need to start thinking about obedience to the Bible and what God wants us to experience. We are not a Pentecostal church in the context of denomination. I don't even like the label because, again, people think differences of churches. And I, I would encourage you, some people, and I used to be this way, and so that's why I can speak to it from my heart. I would encourage you, stop labeling yourself by a denomination. Like, stop saying, well, I'm just Baptist, or I'm just Presbyterian, or I'm just Methodist, or I'm just Catholic, or I'm just whatever. Stop labeling yourself by a denomination. You are a son or daughter of Jesus. That's it. So there's no tie. That's not disrespect to a, different, a denomination. I'm just saying that I am not identified by the name on the door. I am identified by the name on my door, Jesus. And so we, we're all, we need to be Christians. And what are you? Don't say a denomination. Because what if... That denomination does not push forward towards the fullness of what God wants for you. Are you going to back off and agree with the denomination? Or are you going to move forward and press towards God? So now some would say, are we Pentecostal here? I would, I would say, well, if you're asking, do we believe in the work of the person of the Holy Spirit? Do we believe in Acts chapter 2 and the fulfillment of the Feast of Pentecost? that is a biblical experience? Do we believe the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit have not ceased like some people teach? That they are for every one of us today? And that we need His empowerment in our Christian life to live victoriously? Then yes, absolutely, according to those questions, we are. Some people have said this, and um, it's kind of a popular saying in church. Maybe you've heard people say it. Hey, it doesn't matter what church you go to as long as they're going to church. I don't mean any disrespect to any church, and I'm not making a comparative statement to our church, but I could not disagree with that statement more. Because how many of you would say this statement? Well, it doesn't matter what he preaches as long as he gives a good sermon. Who would say that? It matters what they preach. So then it matters what church they go to. Now, I'm not talking about a name of a church. I don't, that, that part does not, it's not limited by a name. It's limited to what we preach. 
So to say it doesn't matter what church they go to would be the same as saying it doesn't matter what someone preaches, and that's not accurate. So again, that's not a comparison statement to like we're the better or we're best. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it matters what we hear and what we live by. So let's, uh, I'm just trying to flow today. And it's a little awkward for me sometimes. Yeah, thank you. You get some encouragement. Bring it on, brother. Just keep it coming. Yeah. <laughs> because... Uh, I've just, yeah, we'll come back to Luke, maybe. Maybe. My heart's burden for what's happening in the church, and I mean capital C, big C. I'm like, what are we, what are we building? Are we building things that are about the appeal of an individual on a platform? Like, um... I like the way he preaches, so we're going to come to that church. Is it, is it based on, I like the way they sing those songs, so we'll come to that church? Is it when a man or a woman fall morally, then now they're out? What are we building church around? Let's, can we talk out loud? So I'm going to shoot from the hip. I might as well shoot from both hips. I guess what, what's on my heart is I feel a responsibility from heaven that God has asked me to do something, and he continues to remind me. Stop it. Continues to remind me that he never once asked me to grow a church. But that constantly seems to be the pressure for what we're supposed to do. So then we begin to do things that we think will help build the church or grow the church because therefore then I'm doing a good job. And God said, I never ask you to build a church. Stop it. Why are you stressed out? Why are you dealing with anxiety? Why are you dealing with pressure? Because you're doing something I never ask you to do. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of us are trying to do things God didn't ask us to do and wondering why we're stressed out? He said to me that I will build my church. That's what he says in Matthew. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So how did Jesus build his church? I want to give an example of it. And Okay, so let's go on and I'll just interject thoughts. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Luke chapter 24. I'll start reading in verse 44. It says, these are the words, this is Jesus talking, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. It was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. Verse 40, 47. And 
So if it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to die and to rise from the dead, and means this is also necessary. If 46 is necessary, 47 and is also necessary. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. What should be preached? Repentance and remission of sins. Repentance means to think differently, to change our mind and heart in a new direction from before. What should we preach? Repentance. What do we build a church on? Repentance. Not on charisma. Not on ability to exegete the scriptures. Not on the ability to tickle your ears with a nice sermon. What does Jesus say build the church on? Repentance. Repentance. This is what must be preached. That it is about Jesus. Christ, him crucified. He rose from the dead. We're building church around personalities and people instead of building them around a risen Savior. So when personalities fall, all of a sudden people are bailing on Christianity. I've got news for people. Christianity never was and never will be built on Christians. Never. Christianity is built on Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I'm not built, I'm not putting my faith on the faithfulness of an individual. I may be disappointed, I may be surprised, I may be shocked, and I may, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. But I saw him hanging on the tree for me, so I'm going to keep serving him. Repentance and remission of sins. What does remission of sins mean? To be pardoned, to be forgiven, that the penalty of sin has been paid for by a man, by a woman. No, by Jesus. Your sins have been washed away and forgiven. The penalty of sin is over. It's gone. So who are we celebrating? Who do we look to? Who, are we, who do we give our gratitude? Who are we worshiping for remission of sins? You can play along. We're shooting from the hip today. Anybody thankful for remission of sins? Others? Do you know you've got remission of sins? Do you know what you've been saved from? Do you know who saved you from it? Then why do we have to be pumped up to worship him? Why do we have to sing a certain song to get a hand raised? Why do we have to get just the right atmosphere for someone to come in and pray and worship? Why? Is, why? Because we're still worshiping on a horizontal level instead of a vertical level. That he saved me from my sins. I'll praise him. I'll worship him. I'll sing acapulco. It doesn't matter. I know it's acapella. I'm just playing. <laughs> So look what he says. Look what he says. Let's get somewhere. What's supposed to be preached? Repentance and remissions of sins in his name to all nations and your witness of these things. He says in verse 49, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. But tarry, wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power 
from on high. That word endued there means to wear, to be wrapped in clothing, to bestow or endow with a quality or a condition. Jesus said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till there's a power. Now, here's the word power means. It means a miraculous power, an ability, a might, a strength, but I love this part. Supernatural influence over natural reality. I've never seen that definition before and I've been preaching for a long time. The word dunamis is a miraculous power. It is a supernatural influence that overrides a natural reality. He said, I want you to be clothed with this kind of power. Anybody ever ever had a natural experience, a natural reality that you needed a supernatural help to override that? Well, this is what God says you can be clothed with. He's not saying that you won't have natural realities. He's saying, I want to give you a supernatural power that will override your natural reality. Something available to me that goes beyond. He's not saying because I have, I'm, I'm never going to have natural reality problems. I'm going to have natural reality problems. But he says, I'm not going to leave you alone in that. I'm going to give you a supernatural power to go with, to override, to influence that natural reality. And do the power from on high. So now let's go to Acts. Go to the book of Acts chapter 1. Everybody okay so far? Thank you, Lord. I'm following your lead. Where you lead me, I will follow. I trust you, Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Acts chapter 1. Verse 4 says, And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise. He just talked about the promise of the Father that was going to endure us with power in Luke chapter 24. Acts is like second Luke. Luke wrote the book of Acts. So this is continuing right from Luke 24 right into Acts chapter 1. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John, listen to this, John truly baptized with water. Jesus is talking, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What was he saying to the disciples? He's saying, listen, you've been baptized with water. That's wonderful. But now I want you to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, he said, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Sorry, I skipped six. They ask about restoring the kingdom of Israel. They're here. Okay, let me go back. They said, therefore, uh, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were still thinking horizontally that Jesus is going to override the Roman Empire. And so they were still thinking about horizontal living. And this is what God is saying to us. We, not, we have to get out of horizontal. Too many people have their hope in a horizontal solution. Should we talk about elections? Should we? <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Too many people spend more time praying for their candidate than they do praying to Yahweh, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I'm not against, oh, I stepped off in there. How do you step out? We as believers should live under a different set of rules. We live under a kingdom mindset. 
And a kingdom mindset is not limited by horizontal solutions. It has vertical solutions that override natural realities. So when we're complaining about this and complaining about that, are we praying or just complaining? This is what's happening. This is what they were, they were like, oh, Lord, are you, going to, are you going to fix our government problem here in Rome? Are you going to change our governmental problems here in Rome and make it good for us Christians? Are you going to pass some favorable laws for us as Christians so we can have an easier life? Are you going to get our people in office, Lord? And throw out these evil people. I'm interjecting a little bit. He said, uh, it's not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But here's what he said. But, in other words, Jesus is saying, I'm going to rule over all this earth someday. But it's not for you to worry about the times and seasons of that. But, what I can tell you is that you shall receive Power, dunamis, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. He said, I can't tell you the timing and how things are going to work out in the natural. I can't tell you who's going to be in office. I can't tell you how laws are going to be favorable or not favorable. I can't tell you about the times of scenes for that. But here's what I can tell you. You will receive power. Supernatural influence over natural reality. The problem in the body of Christ is, A, we don't know we have supernatural power. Two, we're not using it to influence over natural reality. Because we've been convinced that it's just whatever God wills is what's going to happen. So we don't use supernatural influence over natural reality because we assume if it's happening, it's what God wants. What if he wanted us to use supernatural influence in the midst of opposing forces to bring the kingdom of heaven to hand? Just a thought. So now let's go, let's go to Acts chapter. Let's stay in Acts chapter 1. Go to verse um, 14. Yeah, let's just grab some verses as we go. <laughs> Who cares? This is why you have your Bible. Um, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all, he just named off some people. These all continued with, everybody say the next two words, one accord, thank you. In what? In prayer. In prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So these people were praying, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples altogether. The number of the names was about 120 so you have 120 people praying in an upper room. And they were praying in one accord. There was unity. What were they praying towards? It doesn't say specifically what they were praying about. And I don't know that it was all the same thing. I don't know if it was all one prayer. I just know they were pray I know who they were praying to. Here's the thing that I want us to do as a body of believers is I want us to have an increased passion for prayer. Prayer to him that supernatural influence will begin to override natural realities in our life. This is why I'm inviting you to come and pray with us. Because the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. 
Some people say, well, I can pray for my home. I understand you can pray from your home, and that's great. Please do. I'm asking in addition to that, what if we came together in one accord, in one room, and God began to do things that we never thought possible? They were praying in one room, one accord. Now let's jump to uh, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost Sundays today. Have I mentioned that? Verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. What is Pentecost? It literally just means to count to 50. It's 50 days after Passover. It's not a weird denomination. It's a holiday, a Jewish festival that God said, on this day, I'm going to do something special. So when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. Here's that unity again. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many people were there? 120. Everybody got that? It wasn't the 12 disciples. So the people that preached to you and said the gifts passed away with the disciples... Which disciples? We got 120 of them in the room. So it couldn't have passed away with the disciples. Couldn't have passed away whenever the scriptures will fulfill that when that which is perfect has come, people will use 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and say, well, when the Bible came, then we did away with the gifts of the Spirit. It says when that which is perfect will come. That's not the Bible. That's talking about when Jesus comes back. Then there will be no need for speaking in tongues because the Bible goes on to talk about knowledge there in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We haven't gotten rid of knowledge, so we couldn't have gotten rid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to lay the foundation for some of you who may have been taught that that stuff was done away with a long time ago. It is not. It is active. It is for today. It is for you. Because if anybody needs some supernatural power to influence your natural reality, then you need the Holy Spirit. Where were we? So they were all in that house. They were all sitting down, 120 of them. Then there appeared to them. Oh, look at verse 3. Look what happened on Pentecost. You know, I was never taught this verse growing up. Then there appeared to them divided or individual tongues as of fire. Tongues there is not the tongue in your mouth. That is a flame. There appeared to them individual flames of fire. Have you ever heard someone talk about fire and say the fire was licking? You ever heard that? Maybe that's a Southern Illinois term. Some of you are nodding. Maybe it's an age thing. Because I see no young people nodding at that right now. It says individual flames as of fire. Individual. Individual. Why is that word important, divided or individual flame? Because God's not a God of generalities. He's a God that wants to encounter you. He's not someone that he wants you just to spectate and watch and observe. He wants to encounter you as an individual. He doesn't just want to come in this room and do something general. He wants to do something specific because when the power of God touches you, there's something unique he wants to do in you that's different from them over here. Individual tongues as of fire, and one set upon how many of them? Each of them, all of them. How many were there again? 120. So the Holy Spirit, fire of God, comes and sets upon each of them, all 120 of them. 
and they were all, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Check. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happened first? When the Holy, when the Holy Spirit came, fire came on them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. They were not filled with a thing. They were filled with a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He is God just like the other two. That freaks some people out because they weren't taught that. I was taught about the Father and Jesus and then the Spirit of God. But no, there is a tri trinity and they are one, they are equal. And the Holy Spirit came upon them. The person. People are worried about getting filled with the Holy Spirit because they think they're going to be filled with a thing. Like what's going to happen to me? Is it going to be weird? Is it going to be crazy? No, a person is going to clothe you. How come, how come, how come no one's ever afraid of asking Jesus to come into their heart. Why is that? Because they've been taught since they were a wee little baby, ask Jesus to come into your heart. You know what we need to be teaching as a wee little baby? Ask Holy Spirit to come upon you. Ask Holy Spirit to come upon you. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, God, do you know that the Bible says that the Spirit of God baptizes us into the body of Christ. Here's what I gotta throw that. When you get born again, people have said this to me. Well, I got the Holy Spirit when I got saved. Yes, but there's more. Because the disciples, you would have to believe that the disciples were not born again. For Jesus to say, I want you to go in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Why did they need the Holy Spirit if they already got the Holy Spirit when they were born again? Were they not born again? I think they were, I think they were already born again because in John, that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. What was that about? That was when the Holy Spirit came and regenerated their dead spirit and made them alive to Christ. But now, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into the body of Christ. Who is the baptizer when I get born again? The Holy Spirit baptizes me into Jesus. Follow me. Jesus said this. He said, John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Two different baptizers. So they can't be the same work. The Holy Spirit immerses me into Jesus. Titus chapter 3, the Holy Spirit regenerates my dead spirit. Jesus then turns around and baptizes me into the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, you need Jesus. You need redemption, repentance, and remission of sins. He immerses us into Christ and what he did for us. It's glorious. We are born again through the immersion of by the Holy Spirit into Jesus. And then Jesus says, oh, now you need to be immersed into my friend, the Holy Spirit. Because he said, here's what's going to happen. 
When you were baptized into me, you received remission of sin and became a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, old things become new. Now, now, I can't wait till you meet my friend, the Holy Spirit. Now that you're born again, now you can be immersed into the power of the Holy Spirit. So this is what I'm believing for here. And I said this in the first service, so now I'll go back into flowing. I don't want, I don't want anything that's catered to do people like me. I don't want church like that. And I'm not saying that like I want you to not like me. <laughs> Understand what I'm saying? I don't want us to grow a church based on my personality, my delivery, my speaking. I want it to be built on a collective passion to see God touch people's lives. I'm praying for this kind of power and presence to be on all, all of our lives not on a select few. I want you to be clothed with dunamis so that when you walk into a building, you walk into your business, you walk into work, you are clothed with something greater than yourself. I want, I want this to be something that God is moving in your life in such a way that when people say, hey, would you pray for me? You'd say, absolutely, I have some dunamis for you. I have some supernatural power that will influence your natural reality. Let me lay hands on you and the God who is in me can touch you. I, I don't want, I want when people break the doorways to feel the person of the Holy Spirit. I want them to feel something when they sit down. I want addictions to be broken by them just walking in the room. I don't want to have just a church that's built on, do we, do we have some good talks and, and sing some good songs and let's go to lunch. I'm praying for something. I'm not wanting to be invested in something that's built on charades and formalities. I want something that's going to be transformative in a person's life. And I, I want you to experience that in the fullness that our desire in worship is not, oh, I like that song, I'll perk up. It'll be, Jesus, come! Jesus, come! Jesus, come! That the power and presence of God will come. That you will bring people, not because you want them to hear Chad, my Lord, what if, what if I screw up? Then where are you? I can preach this now because I don't have anything that I know of. I'm not trying to defend myself. I'm saying do not follow me. Follow Jesus. Put your gaze on him. He's the one who hung for you. I will do my very best to live for him and point to him. But I am not... I am not the focal point of the centerpiece. Jesus, I want you to bring people because you say, come. I want you to get in the presence of God. 
That's why I want you to invite people. I want you to invite people because you're like, you know if you get them in the room, he's going to touch them. Just, just come and sit in the chair. I dare you. Come, come sit in the chair. Come. Come, come get, get in the door. Why? Not because we are great, but because he is great. He is awesome. He is incredible. This is the kind of power that came on the day of Pentecost. And the Bible says, if we go in and read in chapter 2, 3,000 people. How many did it start out with? 120. We got way more than 120. But in one day, we've got methods on how to grow the church. We've got, you can go to, I mean, I've been to conferences that teach you on how to grow the church. I'm speaking at a conference this week on church growth. When they asked me to speak, I, I, I said, okay, well, this is what I'm going to talk about. This is what I'm going to talk about. This is how it's going to go. And I was praying one day, and the Lord said, did you ask me? Because I had my structure down on what you need to do. And he said, would you like to ask me how to grow the church? I said, forgive me. I don't want to grow the church through methods. Our natural method is don't do anything weird. Right? Just keep it nice and normal so that I can bring my friends and they won't freak out. We've, we've, built, we've built church around the idea of making sure the world's okay with it. I want the world to come, but have we built church around the considering the fact, is Jesus okay with it? How did they grow the church from 120 to 3,120 in one day? The Holy Spirit fell, fire came, people started speaking in tongues, and Peter started preaching a sermon that you crucified the Messiah. That's not in your church growth program. They say no tongues for sure. If you want people to come, keep the tongue stuff out. Jesus said, I will build my church and I'm bringing tongues the very first day. I'm bringing it. He said, I'm not hiding it. I'm not putting it in a back room. I'm bringing it out for all the world to see that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. He said the promise is not just for you, but it's for your children and for those who are far off, as many as far off. So I said, Lord, I need to rewrite my conference message. He said, yes, you do. So I, I have. This is not it, but, but it's similar. Here's what we need 
I don't care about adding 3,000 people. I care about the fire coming. If we do something based on getting 3,000 to come, then we'll do whatever we think needs to happen to get those people to come. And I'm just saying I'm over it. I'm over it. Maybe I'm just getting older. And you know, people say when you get older, you don't care as much what people think. But the heart that I have, I've just seen people leave for a lot of reasons, and some of them really weird and strange, and you're like, why was I trying to jump through hoops to get them to stay? What? Why, why was I laying down who I am so that they would be comfortable here? Why, why was I forgetting what changed my life? Why, why was, I'll tell you what changed my life. Acts chapter 2. Jesus first, absolutely Jesus changed my life. But then the Holy Spirit came on this. Pre-Holy Spirit, post-Holy Spirit. Let's use a biblical example. Don't use me. Let's use Peter. Peter, pre-Holy Spirit. Hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus? Uh-uh. Yeah, you're one of them. I can hear in your, your accent. Uh-uh. Oh, it's you. I've seen you with him. I promise you, I'm not him. I'm not with him. I don't know him. I swear I don't know him. Pre-Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 comes. Peter comes out. Preaches boldly. Peter is going to be crucified. And Peter says, post-Holy Spirit... I don't deserve to be hung on a cross like my Lord. Hang me upside down. All right, I've got to close. I don't know. Am I, am I communicating? I, I don't even really know what I'm talking about. This is really awkward. But here's what I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I don't want to worry about what they think anymore. I don't want to worry about whether you like what I'm saying or not. I want you to meet him. So he said, if you will give me everything and pursue me, then I will take care of touching them. So that's my desire. I'm not saying I've arrived. I'm, I'm like everyone else. It's not me up here and you people come to me. We're in this together. We need him. So can we, can we maybe, I don't know, let's, what do you want to do, Jesus? What do you want to do? I heard him say that I want to fill him. I want to fill him with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, 
Our Bible says, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You're like, Chad, I don't understand. How can I do it on Pentecost Sunday? How can I receive the Holy Spirit? How can I allow Jesus to baptize me into the Holy Spirit? How can I, how can I let him do that? I, I want that, but I don't know how. I didn't know I could because I, I was a part of this denomination or I thought I was just this or I didn't think that was for today. I, I thought that would pass away or I thought that was not right for us to do that. It doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? What if the thing you were never taught is the one thing that would change your life forever? What if? Does it make you a perfect person? Absolutely not. I know people that can pray in tongues that look like they need to get saved. It's not a magic pill. It's still living, burning for Jesus every day. The Holy Spirit is not unto himself. He is unto Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit will do will point you to Jesus. So if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, He said just to ask him. You're like, is it that simple? Isn't that how we tell people to get saved? Just to ask Jesus? Isn't there a big dog and pony show? No. It's just to ask him. Hold your hands out to him in a posture of saying, I want you. And say, Jesus, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And receive the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't look for a thing to happen. Don't expect a specific thing has to happen. Just by faith receive him. Say, I need more. I need more. I need more. I want you, Holy Spirit. Come, Jesus, endue me with power. Our world needs power. And you are the answer. The devil wants you to think that you are helpless and that this world is just going to hell and there's nothing you can do about it. He wants you to put all of your hope in an election he wants you to be waiting to do anything until gas prices go down. He wants you to be in despair and hopelessness. But I'm telling you this morning, Jesus said, I can't tell you about the times and seasons, but you shall receive supernatural influence over natural reality. And then you shall take that supernatural influence over natural reality and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Be endued with power by the glory of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.